Good morning, once again. Good morning, welcome online as well. As you may know, my name is Allison. I'm 14 years old. <laughs> Just joking. Allison, you guys did a wonderful job. Yeah. Dora, you did as well. I truly love their heart in wanting to um, just lead up this ministry this year, and it really touches so many people's lives, not just the children, the people in the community, all those that get to help and participate and really be part of something so much bigger than ourselves. So thank you guys for that. Wasn't that a great BBS video? Thank you, Randy West, for putting that together. And great to look back and just see, you know, the fun that we had, uh, the Word of God that was taught, and just the kids ministered to. And again, that same Word of God goes from here to the homes of those same kids. So just continue to pray for the Lord to do a mighty work in those areas. So we have a lot. We've had a lot, and we have a lot to cover. Um, And we have the Lord's Supper after. And so we are going to get to it, um, but we wanted to mention really quick, just we, there's some progress going on with our modulars. They, uh, we purchased some of the green shrubbery that is going to be placed up in front of the bottom of the opening, so you can't like see under them anymore. Um, but we have to get the, the, the modulars power washed and painted. And we'll do that, and then we'll purchase the rest of the greenery. So keep those things in prayer. Also, our courtyard, uh, there's some plans in place currently underway to figure out the best way to string lights and just make it more inviting, more, more time for fellowship and just spending time together, um, have some Bible studies out there when the weather's better, uh, stuff like that. So please just keep those things in prayer. Also, please keep Pastor Tim in prayer. has been mentioned. Um, they. Even before they left, they had a bunch of stuff on their calendar to do. They're going to get away for a few days, and then when they get back, there's still more things because they have two of their daughters that are going back to college. One's starting college, the other one's going back. So even in that time of rest, there's a lot of work that needs to take place, so please keep praying for them. Um, That's it as far as the things that I had. Before we get into the Word, we want to just... Take a moment and pray for revival. We do this every week. We get on our knees if we are able to. And as we pray for our nation, as we pray for our church, as we pray for all of the nations, we also pray specifically for a nation. And today it's the nation of Oman. Um, Oman is a Middle Eastern country. It sits seaside on the Arabian Sea. It neighbors Yemen to the west and Saudi Arabia to the north. They have some, quite a bit of Christian persecution. They're about 5% of their population are Christians. The majority of their population are Sunni Islam. And it's actually forbidden for the Christians to share Christ with the Sunni Islamic people. And so when conversions happen... Those things happen in secret. But I love, I absolutely love that it's forbidden to share the Word of God. But conversions still happen. (laughs) And so even in those places, they may happen in secret, but the Lord is still working. So obviously, there's some sharing going on, and God is still working in these areas. So we'll pray for the, the nation of Oman as well. So please, if you're able, get on your knees. For 30, 40 seconds, I'll pop back up, and then we'll pray for revival.
Heavenly Father, Lord, we humbly come before you. Lord, we seek your face. We thank you for your grace and your mercy. We thank you for the opportunity that you've given us to be able to be here in this place, Lord, to worship you and to love you. And we pray, Lord, now that you would just hear our cries. Hear these prayers, Lord. We pray for revival. We pray, Lord, that this revival starts in us. Lord, that you would soften us and give us, Lord, just a softer heart. Continue to mold us and shape us, Lord, in your image. Lord, that your light would shine so bright in our lives. Lord, that we would draw the world to us. That you would give those opportunities to share. We pray, Lord, for revival to start in your church. We pray for revival in our nation. Lord, in the people, in our leaders, in our schools, in our teachers, in the administration. Lord, only you can do the work that's necessary. No amount of planning or money or great ideas, Lord, can change the things that are going on. Lord, only you can change hearts. And so we pray that you would do these things. We pray for revival in the world, Lord. Lord, we see just the hatred that takes place, the wars, the killings, murder, Lord, the deceit, those that are lost, the hopelessness. Lord, you have already overcome all of those things. We pray, Lord, that your Holy Spirit would just move throughout this world. Lord, there would be one last revival before you come and collect your church. And we pray, Lord, for the nation of Oman. Lord, a small percentage of the people there love you and trust you. But Lord, we know you're still doing your perfect work. And so, Lord, we pray for this nation and all the other persecuted nations, Lord, that you would just move throughout your body. We pray that you would give courage and endurance and strength. And, Lord, just the opportunities to continue to share your good news, even in the most restricted areas. And, Lord, we pray these things knowing with just hearts of gratitude, Lord, that you will hear and you will answer these prayers in accordance with your will. And so, Lord, we pray these things, and we love you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, well, <clears throat> good morning once again. Thank you for taking your seat. Sorry for the knees and the hard floor. But you know... Them's the ropes, as they say. Now, today we're going to be all over the Bible. Um, so if you're fast, you can follow. If you're not fast, you're going to be lost. <laughs> Just kidding. Now, we are going to be reading quite a few verses, but um, what you may want to do is kind of open your, the Word, plant yourself in Exodus 20. And then put your finger on the Ten Commandments, because that's where we're going to be coming back to today. We're going to be looking at these things, the law, and really how they correlate to the New Testament. Both what Jesus taught, but also the apostles. And as we go through these things, because we also have the Lord's Supper, there's 10 commandments. We've got about 30 minutes to cover these things, so that's three minutes per commandment. See how quickly I did that math? <laughs> so we, it's really going to be quick, guys. So we, you know, I encourage you, after today, use this as kind of a launching board to have a family Devo time where you can really dive deep into the things that we're gonna cover because again, we're really just gonna scratch the surface and there's a lot here to study. And so, um, 
I started to lose my voice during the first service. So if I'm yelling, that's okay. But it's only because I can't talk. All right. So uh, before we open the word, let's, let's read or let, let's pray for the Lord to open our eyes to his word. Heavenly Father, Lord, we come before you once again, and we just pray, Lord, that as we open your word, you would open our eyes. Lord, you would go before us and prepare our hearts to hear, Lord, the things that you want us to hear. Lord, that you would we'd be able to feed on the meat of your word. Lord, that you would change us. And Lord, that you would use these things to minister to us, that we may be able to be able to minister to others, to share the things that we hear today. None of these things are new, Lord. Help us remember the significance and the power of your word. And Lord, we just thank you for the opportunities you give. We thank you that we can be here this morning openly and freely. Be with us during this time. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, so... Exodus chapter 20, verse 1 through 17. Let's read these things. And God spoke all these words, saying, I am the Lord your God, who brought you out of the land of Egypt, out of the house of bondage. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above, or that is in the earth beneath, or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them, nor serve them. For I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me." but showing mercy to thousands of those who love me and keep my commandments. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain, for the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. You, nor your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor your stranger who is within your gates. For in the six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, and the rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. Honor your father and mother that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God is giving you. You shall not murder. You shall not commit adultery. You shall not steal. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, nor his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. As we continue on, let's keep in mind something today. Jesus, in his work on the cross, his earthly ministry, he didn't replace the law. Christians, those who believe and follow Christ, didn't replace Israel in God's plan. You hear often now this replacement theology. It's incorrect. And so if you hear these things, please understand that these things aren't true. Because Jesus and his work on the cross didn't make the law null and void. Jesus is the manifestation of the law. He completes the law. And we'll see that today. So please understand this. We're all familiar, I think, with Romans chapter 8, 
verses 1 through 4. And this states, There is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, who do not work according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. For the law of the Spirit of life in Christ Jesus has made me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh, God did by sending his Son in the likeness of sinful flesh on account of sin. He condemned sin in the flesh, that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us, who do not walk according to the flesh, but according to the Spirit. So again, Jesus is the fulfillment of the the law, and he alone accomplished for us what we could not do, because we can't live up to the expectations of what the law tells us. And again, this is important to remember because while we're no longer condemned under the law, just as Romans 1.1 stated, the law is still very important in our walk because it's used to help us and guide us, lead us, and it should always be, forever be, looked as God's absolute truth and truly his expectation, one that we can't fulfill. So keep these things in mind as we look at these things in the Old Testament. And again, they're explained further in what we see in how Jesus taught or what Jesus taught. And the Holy Spirit confirms all of these things in his word as we read. So going to where your finger is, pointing at the first commandment, you shall have no other gods before me. Exodus 22 and 3. Notice the use of the lowercase g in the word gods. There's many gods, millions of gods, but only one and true and living God. So in the law, when God said, you shall have no other gods before me, Jesus confirms this or affirms this in Matthew 4.10. Remember Satan, when he took Jesus away for 40 days to tempt him? And Jesus, when he answered Satan, when he was talking about throwing himself down in the way to prove that he is the Son of God, Jesus said this. Then Jesus said to him, away with you, Satan. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. You also see it in the Gospel of Luke, Luke 4.8, when Jesus said, and Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. One of the names of Jesus is the Word. And we know that in John chapter 1, verse 14, we're told the Word became flesh. This is describing Jesus. So when Jesus speaks, he's confirming his truth with absolute authority and absolute certainty. What's interesting about this, when the rich young ruler, he came to Jesus, And the entire record, you can find this in Mark 10, verse 17 through 27. And while we don't have time to read it all here, remember Jesus said to him when he asked what he was to do to inherit eternal life. Mark 10, 18 and 19 tells us, so Jesus said to him, why do you call me good? No one is good but the one that is God. And he know the commandments, do not commit adultery, do not murder, do not steal, do not bear false witness, do not defraud, honor your mother and father. And the rich young ruler's response was, well, teacher, all these things I have kept from my youth. Now we know that can't be true. But we're going to see in a moment here why the rich young ruler maybe 
That's why he had that perspective. Because we know we can't keep these things perfectly. But notice what Jesus didn't say. He didn't say, you should have no gods before me. He didn't start out there. Because Jesus already knew he did. That's why he said, go your way and sell whatever you have. And we know the rich young ruler didn't and couldn't because his possessions were his God. Jesus already knew. Gods can come in many different forms and fashions. The second commandment, you shall not take or you shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is on the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth. You shall not bow down to them nor serve them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me, but showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments. Even in this one, we see some of what Jesus already confirmed prior. But we have some other examples as well. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verses 9 through 10, it says, Do you not know that the unrighteous will not inherit the kingdom of God? Do not be deceived. Neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor homosexuals, or sodomites, nor thieves, nor covetousness, or covets, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners will inherit the kingdom of God. I know that a verse like this isn't popular today. And I know that in many pulpits, unfortunately, across America and the world, you won't hear these things taught. But just because it's not popular, and just because some people don't agree with it, or ignore it altogether, it doesn't make these things, these verses, this truth, less true. And when we talk about these things, this isn't hate speech. We're not saying these things with the judgmental pointing finger in somebody's face. We say these things out of love. No one's being judged here. Because that's not for us to do. God didn't say he saved the whole world so the world can judge people who want to live a different lifestyle. We share the truth. This is the truth. God even calls these things an abomination. And they are. You know, to water the Bible down and not mention these things only furthers the problems. It only causes more confusion in the world today. Not to mention the disobedience of the sin in us trying to shirk our responsibility in keeping and speaking the things, the truth of God. But it's easy to see here because someone can say, well, I never carved or I never formed some image of God for worship. I've never done that. So I'm good here. No, we're not. Because as we can see, as the Holy Spirit gave these verses to Paul to write, there's actually a lot more here that we need to be thinking about. So all of us, on some way, on some level, are guilty. All of us, in just this one thing, are in need of a Savior. Remember in Exodus 32, Moses is spending time with God Interestingly, to write the Ten Commandments, the people there started to get antsy. They went to Aaron, and in verse 1 we see, he says, come, make us gods that 
shall go before us. For, as, for this Moses, the man who brought us up out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. All of a sudden, Moses, this great man of God, used in just unimaginable ways by God, and even God, the pillar, the fire. But Moses, all of a sudden, Moses becomes this man. How quickly our eyes and our hearts lose focus of what's true. And then Aaron told the people, go and get the gold. He built an altar, and in verse 4, this is your God, he tells them. This is your God, O Israel, that brought you out of the land of Egypt. Are you kidding me? This is in complete violation, by the way, of the first two commandments. The Lord, of course, saw all this and told Moses, go, get down, because your people have corrupted themselves. So Moses comes down and he confronts Aaron. And to summarize, he says, what did you do? Aaron's answer, verse 22. So Aaron said, do not let the anger of my Lord become hot. You know the people, that they are set on evil. But they said to me, make us gods that shall go before us. As for this Moses, the man who brought us out of the land of Egypt, we don't know what has become of him. And I said to them, whoever has gold, let them break it off. So they gave it to me, and I cast it into the fire. And this calf came out. Come on, Aaron. We, we know that that's not what happened. No, because idolatry, it takes time and purpose and energy and effort and planning. There was a lot of steps that took place for this calf to come out. And then from that one thing, you have all these forms of rituals and processes and all these things that we do. And this is all familiar to us because, again, this is us. And then Aaron says, this is such a classic answer. You know the people. The people? There's always the people. Isn't that why we're here? For the people? Isn't that why we're saved? To share the good news with the people? We always have the people. Where is our responsibility in all of this? Where is our reverence for God? There's more verses we can look at here, but we've got to move on. The third commandment. You shall not take the name of the Lord your God in vain. Oh, yeah, that's right. For the Lord will not hold him guiltless who takes his name in vain. This, among all the other ones, is very serious. Now this verse seems at first pretty straightforward. It doesn't leave much open to interpretation. But boy, do we see this happen all the time. You know, this commandment isn't one of those things that, it's not some ancient artifact, some ancient writing that no longer has any value. It doesn't mean anything. No, this carries the same level of importance, the same level of severity, and the same level of truth, absolute truth, that it always has. And Jesus affirms this, that it's still true today. Look at Matthew 5, 33 through 37. Again, you have heard that what is said to those of old, you shall not swear falsely, but shall perform your oaths to the Lord. But I say to you, do not swear at all, neither by heaven, for it's God's throne, nor by earth, for it is his footstool, nor by Jerusalem, for it's the city of the great king. Nor shall you swear by your head, because you cannot make one hair white or black. But let your yes be yes, and your no be no. For whatever is more than these is from 
the evil one. We know that the Word of God is eternal, never changing. And with it, again, it carries the same meaning and power it always has. And often we think about the Lord's name in vain, specific to using the Lord's name in a derogatory sense. To try to add emphasis to what we're saying, to make it seem more powerful or more something more. Now, we absolutely shouldn't do this, nor should we entertain things that do. But this also includes, as we see here in the verses, all of the other things. So again, someone can say, well, I've never used the Lord's name in vain. I've never emphasized something by using his name. And while that may be true, we're still in sin to using the Lord's name in vain because we've done it somewhere else. And you're going to see this kind of thing throughout where the law specifies certain things, but how Jesus gives light and wisdom to all of the other facets that we didn't even realize were in violation of. Now, I say violation. The world likes to say violation. But let's be honest. We're talking about sin. These things we're talking about is sin. And so we just got to we have to keep those things in mind. Let's look at the fourth commandment together. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath of the Lord your God. In it you shall do no work. Nor should your son, nor your daughter, nor your male servant, nor your female servant, nor your cattle, nor the stranger who is within your gates. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, and rested the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and hallowed it. And as a society, we've really messed this up. We have everything from folks who do nothing but work nonstop, workaholics, to people who make a lifetime of rest and relaxation. Folks so busy that they neglect the very things unless it's what they're focused on. And people who are so lazy that they come to expect everyone else to cater to them to do the work, like they're entitled to something for some reason. Now the word Sabbath is from the Hebrew word, it means Shavat. And that means to rest. And this day is observed on the seventh day of the week, which is Saturday. If you're a Messianic believer, you will attend synagogue on a Saturday. And if you come to a church, you'll observe that same day on Sunday. You'll go to church on Sunday. Now, there's no time to get into the Saturday, Sunday, why question again. Study that with your family, or come to the leadership. We'll chat about it. But to keep this on the surface level with just the interest of time, let's see how Jesus set the example for us. Luke 4.16. So he, Jesus, came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, and as his custom was, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day and stood up to read. So even Jesus kept the Sabbath. And he obeyed this and demonstrated this during his earthly ministry. Paul followed suit while serving the Lord. Acts 17, 1 and 2, now when they had passed through, and it talks about a couple of areas, they came to Thessalonica, where there was a synagogue of the Jews. Then Paul, as his custom was, went into them, and for three Sabbaths reasoned with them from the Scriptures, explaining and demonstrating that the Christ had to suffer and rise again from the dead, and saying, This Jesus whom I preach to you is the Christ. So even Paul observed the Sabbath. We are to also observe the Sabbath. The Pharisees and the Sadducees spun this all out of context multiple times trying to trap Jesus 
in something that he was doing wrong, or at least they thought he was doing wrong. And today we act like this doesn't even apply to us. But why would it not? Next time you open the Word, or if you do decide to do this study, look at what Hebrews chapter 4, verses 1 through 10, says about this. The fifth commandment. Halfway there, guys. This says, Honor your father and your mother, that your days may be long upon the land which the Lord your God has given you. Church, we have completely lost our mind here. Other than God, who is the first person to know you? Who is the first person you start to build a relationship with? Your parents. Now, we're not talking about whether or not your parents did a bang-up job raising. Because all parents make mistakes. Some more than others. You know, when we used to go into Bonaire, Bonaire was the correctional facility. The subject of parenting came up fairly often for many obvious reasons. And blame was placed more times than not on the parents. Now, in some cases, there may be some blame there. But again, where's our responsibility with these things? We try to explain to the youth there that, you know, people are flawed. And we're, we're never going to get everything right. But we have a heavenly Father that we can trust in. We have a Heavenly Father that does everything right. We just have to believe. You know, we, we would talk to the kids, we would tell them, you know, most parents don't wake up in the morning and think, you know, how am I going to ruin my kids' day today? <laughs> right? Most parents don't do that. If you do, Let's talk after the service. <laughs> but, um, you know, many children, regardless of how they're raised, at certain points in their life, do try to figure some stuff out. Right? How do I lie? How do I get past this? How am I going to sneak out? How am I going to go spend four hours on the beach, on Venice Beach, at four o'clock and three o'clock in the morning? Not a good idea, by the way. <laughs> Venice Beach is not a good place at night. You know, we're disrespectful. We talk back. The list goes on, right? Now, we chalk this up in many cases as, well, kids will be kids. Almost like it's a rite of passage or something. And traditionally, kids behave in these ways. Probably everyone in this room is guilty. But Jesus affirms this commandment when he was speaking with the scribes and the Pharisees who were trying to catch him somehow. Where he says in Matthew 15, 4, he answered and said to them, Why do you also transgress the commandments of God because of your tradition? For God commanded, saying, Honor your father and mother, and he who curses father or mother, let him be put to death. But you say, Whoever says to his father or mother, Whatever profit you might have received from me, is a gift to God. Then he need not honor his father and mother. Thus you have made it the commandment of God of no effect by your tradition. So we see here how they have twisted the word of God for their own gain. And in doing so, effectively removed this commandment from being valid, at least in the way that they taught and lived their lives and how they practice. But it's still absolutely valid and true. And so no matter what friends are doing, what the people, there's the people, what the people are doing, we must honor our father and mother. All right, the sixth commandment, you shall not murder. This again is one of those verses that seems to be really straightforward. 
It was repeated in Matthew 19 again when Jesus was having this conversation with the rich young ruler. And so we're thinking, well, if I never took the life of somebody, if I never killed another individual, I'm good. Well, you're not. We're not good. Matthew 5, 21 through 23 tells us, Have you heard that it was said to those of old, You shall not murder, and whoever murders will be in danger of judgment? But I say to you that without that whoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whoever says to his brother Raka, which, by the way, means worthless, it actually means to spit. Um, but it's a, it's a word that describes contempt. If you if you're, say to your brother Raka, you shall be in danger of the council, but whoever says you fool shall be in danger of hellfire. He then goes on to talk about how if you're going to bring a gift to the altar, you have to reconcile with your brother first. Why? Because murder starts in our heart. And so even if we have hatred, even if we have anger towards another, even if there's some unreconciliation that, or some reconciliation that hasn't taken place yet, we're guilty of this. The seventh commandment, Exodus 20, 14, you shall not commit adultery. Adultery is a major, major problem in our world today. The sanctity of marriage, where sanctity it means holy, blessed, pure, and even sacred. And with marriage being and only being between one man and one woman. Today, if marriage exists in a relationship, it's far from holy. It's far from pure. And in many cases, it doesn't even involve one man and one woman. Our eyes and our hearts are very far from what marriage should be. But adultery is another one where we may think, well, we're good because I've never cheated on my spouse. Okay? Here's what Jesus says about adultery. Matthew 5, 27 through 32, you have heard that it was said to those of old, you shall not commit adultery. But I say to you that whoever looks at a woman to lust for her has already committed adultery with her in his heart. He goes on to say, if your right eye causes you to sin, it picks back up. Marriage is sacred and binding. Furthermore, it has been said, whoever divorces his wife, let us give her a certificate of divorce. But I say to you that whoever divorces his wife for any reason except sexual immorality causes her to commit adultery. And whoever marries a woman who is divorced commits adultery. Now, brothers and sisters, there's a lot here. So much here that we simply don't have time to go through each of these things. But again, I encourage you, sit with your family. Go through these things. See what the Word of God says about them. Eighth commandment. We're almost there, folks. Isn't it fun to think about all the different ways we fall short of God's glory? No, but think about it this way. Think about these same reasons, right? These these same, same things are why we are in so much need of a Savior. Next one, you shall not steal. Jesus again affirms this when speaking to the rich young ruler. Paul also affirms this again in 1 Corinthians in 6, verses 9 through 11 that we read earlier. The word steal appears 35 times through the Bible and always, always in a negative light because there's no provision to steal. Think about the lawlessness that we see in our world today the looting, the break-ins, the shootings, wars, murders, carjacking, human trafficking. The list is, is almost endless, it seems. 
we are in such dire need of repentance of our sins. Dire need. The ninth commandment is Exodus 20, 16. You shall not bear false witness against your neighbor. You may think, does this include lying? Yes. Yes, it does. But what if it's a little white lie that really I'm saying to make sure I don't hurt the feelings of this person that I dearly love? There's a saying, we've all heard it, to path to hell is paved with good intentions. And Jesus affirms the ninth commandment again as he's speaking to the rich young ruler. They had a lot to say that night. The word lying, the word lying appears in the Bible over 150 times. It first appears in Genesis 3 with Eve and the serpent, Satan, with his lying tongue convincing her to eat the forbidden fruit. And the devil is still at work, busy today, lying and deceiving the people on the earth. Only the word of God, only the word of God is truth. Here we are, the 10th commandment. Exodus 20, 17, you shall not covet your neighbor's house. You shall not covet your neighbor's wife, nor his male servant, nor his female servant, nor his ox, his donkey, nor anything that is your neighbor's. And again, this is still true today, as it was when it was etched in stone by the finger of God. And Jesus, when he was giving the parable of the rich fool, Luke 12, 13 through 15 tells us, Then one from the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. But he said to him, Man, who made me a judge and an arbiter over you? And he said to them, Take and heed and beware of covetousness. For one's life does not consist in the abundance of the things he possesses. Very different in how we look at life today and how we assign value to things. These closing verses are some of why the law is so important even today, why it's so relevant in our lives. Paul, when he was addressing the church in Rome, Romans 7, verses 7 through 12, what shall we say then? Is the law sin? Certainly not. On the contrary, I would have not known sin except through the law. For I would have not known covetousness unless the law had said, you shall not covet. But sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. I was alive once without the law, but when the commandment came, sin revived and I died. And the commandment, which was to bring life, I found to bring death. For sin, taken occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it, killed me. Therefore, the law is holy, and the commandment holy and just and good. Pray. Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you for this opportunity, Lord, to open your word, to look at the law, Lord, to look at your truth, to look at your expectations. Lord, forgive us where we fall short. Forgive us of our sins, Lord. Lord, I pray that you would just make us aware of these areas, Lord, in our lives, that we would repent, seek your forgiveness, Lord, that we would grow in these things, grow in your grace. Lord, we pray that you would just continue to minister to all those here that 
or in person or online, and that you would continue to reveal yourself, or that we would meditate and just be hungry for your word, and that we would serve you in accordance with your will. There's anybody here today who, with our heads bowed, who heard something in the word today that got them thinking? I'm not going to ask you to raise your hand, but just pray. We're going to be taking the Lord's Supper. We don't want to do so with our hearts not right. And so I'm going to ask you to pray. Pray that the Lord would reveal these things, that you would put them before the throne. And if you're here or if you're online, and you've never received Christ as your Savior, or if you have at some point, but you know you've walked away, I'm going to ask you to be bold. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand. If you're online, let the AV team know. Send them a quick message. Raise your hand so we can pray with you. We don't want to assume everybody here or watching is saved. So if you're here, you want to receive the salvation from Jesus Christ, raise your hand. And as the, I see that hand. Praise the Lord. As the worship team plays, keep praying for the Lord to just show you where, where you really are. I'm going to pray a prayer of salvation. Heavenly Father, pray with me. Lord, thank you. Lord, I am sorry for my sin. Lord, I pray that you save me. I pray for your love. I pray for the indwelling of your Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for your grace and your mercy. And Lord, I decide today to follow you. I decide today to call you my Lord and Savior. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.